The following program may contain coarse language that is not suitable for all listeners. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views or opinions held by any past, present, or future promotion or their ownership. Listener discretion is advised. Also, the Supreme Court ruled in 1994 that parody is protected speech. Look it up, then suck our nuts. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you may be listening to this, wherever you may be listening to this. This is the inaugural episode of Wrestling with the Truth, a wrestling podcast all about the wonderful, exciting, professional wrestling scene in Utah. I'm your host, Lee Bryant. I am joined alongside my cohort, your friend and mine, and a friend to all. Mr. Brad Lane and Brad, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I don't, I don't think if you ask any of the fans in Utah wrestling if they're going to say I'm their friend, but we can try and sell that. Maybe they should be. Maybe they I'm should telling just... all you all you fans out there right now: be friends with Brad. It has its privileges. He gives <laughs> the best massages you'll ever have. Oh my god! Already, <laughs> straight out the gate. So what we want to do with this podcast is go a little bit against the grain, a little bit sideways, if you will, from the typical fare you may hear in Utah, podcasts about wrestling. We want to get to the heart of the matter. We want to get to the real issues, the real incidents, the real nitty gritty, if you will, about Utah wrestling. And... So we're not going to be pulling a whole lot of punches. We may not be nice sometimes, but it's all in the interest of what is true and correct. What do you think, Brad? I think I'm really looking forward to getting people on here and uh, kind of having an unfiltered platform to talk about stories where, you know, nothing's really off the table. Like, we'll just put it all out there. But I also want to have some really good conversations with this, you know. Uh, I, I think one of the things I'm looking forward to most is getting to hear people's stories. I know that we've talked about having some guests on later episodes. And one thing I'm really looking forward to is hearing those stories about how people found wrestling, you know, in general, and then one, how they got into it on the local level that we're at and how they kind of broke in and what that looked like for them, because everyone has their own different story, you know, from guys that, we're working at Seven Eleven and got told, "Hey, you're a pretty big guy. You ever thought about wrestling? No. Here, you should come to a wrestling show. Come try and be a wrestler. Ends up being, you know, really great guy. Just a really great guy. Just a really good guy. Yeah, really nice guy. And believe it or yeah. not, Utah does have a share of really good guys and ladies. Yeah. And I hope we uh, get a chance to talk to as many of them as possible. Let's let's walk through a little bit, you know, where you were in life and, you know, around what time it was when you first started getting interested in wrestling. And then from that point, 
kind of made your way into the business here? Oh man, 2001, you know, it's, it's like everyone from that generation, Stone Cold, The Rock, Kurt Angle, Triple H. I didn't really know what WCW was until it was like too late. We didn't really have cable. And then when we got cable, like all I really knew about was Monday Night Raw. So I was a WWF kid. I didn't know too much about WCW until later. It was just something I saw on the TV one night, laid on the phone, talked to my dad, and was like, man, what's this? It, it always sticks out to me because uh, I was like, man, there's this guy with this really hairy chest, and he's got leather on and pierced nipples and piercings everywhere. My dad's like, oh, that's Prince Albert. And I'm like, okay. Now that I know what that actually is, I'm a little, <laughs> like, I'm a little like, wow, they were pushing the line right there, but okay. I can't believe they put that on television yeah i mean pretty much and then you know once i got into it you know all those guys those were like the pillars of my childhood uh you asked about you know what got me into it here i feel like there was moments definitely where i was aware of it i remember the the reams down here in magna close to where i grew up they used to have these little like magazines and uh ucw zero had um rented like an ad in one of the papers or whatever and I don't, I actually think it was the Sabu show. There was an advertisement in there and I had wanted to go, but for whatever reason, ended up not being able to. And then sometime after that, they had another show and I don't remember exactly how I heard about it, but I, me and some of my friends that used to wrestle in the backyard and do that whole shtick, we had heard about it. So we decided to go check it out. And main event of that show was concussion versus david young and that was like in 06 06 or 07 i feel like it's probably 06 if i if if you had a gun to my head i'd say it was 06 like summer of 06 and that's when i saw lots of guys tristan gallo aka martin casaus he was on that first show jmb Derek janetti radical ricky all of these guys that pretty soon after would end up having a part in teaching me how to do what they were doing now as always you gotta give a shout out to steve nelson stevie slick he did a lot to kind of pave that road here in utah for wrestling and there's a lot of stuff that ended up being done that i'm not sure quite possibly could have never been done without him and his resources so and that's the thing we we may make jokes and we may make snarky comments but I would say probably 80% of the time we actually do respect the people who have contributed something good to Utah wrestling. I'm just going to say something here because, you know, I saw Steve recently uh, when uh, one of the guys asked me if I would be willing to come work a UCW show out in Provo. And I was like, brother, you're not, I'm not the one you need to ask if that's okay. And he's like, well, if I talk to Steve, you know, would you be willing to do it? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm up for anything. And he asked him and to my surprise, Steve said, yeah, tell him to come on down. And so ended up going down to Provo doing one of those shows at the Latino festival, had a great conversation with Steve. He got to see my kid and was like, who's this guy? And we just had a really good conversation and it was like, none of the BS had ever happened. And it was like, we're in a weird twilight zone kind of space after like the pandemic and stuff, because it's like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Like, he's so nice now. It's awkward. And every, all the other guys are like that too. They're like, he's like nice. (laughs) It's such a shocker, but I'm going to say this, you know, 
having been in those shoes myself, running shows and, and promoting shows, dealing with the financial aspect of it alone, anyone that's willing to take on that burden deserves a lot of credit. Any Anyone that can manage manage the egos in the locker room like that takes a lot of talent in and of itself and to just balance everything that it takes to run shows and do it professionally like i don't think it's any secret to a lot of people like i've been a ucw zero guy i've been there at times and then I, for a good chunk of time i was other places like war but i mean at the end of the day especially you know hindsight being 2020 you got to look back and give him props i mean he was I, I can't find a better word. He was devoted to doing that for a really long time. There's a lot of guys here that if he hadn't given them that platform, myself included, we're not sitting here talking because if Steve's not running shows, Nick's not running shows probably, or at the very least, I don't meet you at an ACW show. It's weird how things work out, but I just, I just think anyone, and, and I'll even say con anyone that's willing to, find a way to make shows happen and use their income, whether it's their income or they get sponsors or whatever, if they're willing to put in the work and do shows and give someone that platform, they deserve a lot of respect. Like my buddy, JD Mason up in Washington, I told you the other day on the phone has been running shows up there for over 10 years now. And I'm like, that's huge, you know, to be running shows for that long. Like that's not an easy task been there done that ran shows not for that long though so and you know steve was running rather regularly i mean maybe it wasn't every single month but he did have ucw or what became ucw going for 18 years that, that's a long time to really be dang it bobby to something um it uh takes a lot of dedication and i mean there's there's a lot of people who just think especially around here a lot of people who are quite naive who think that a wrestling show can be put together just you know thrown together last minute oh there's no work you don't really put anything into it at the very least you've got to find a ring if you can't buy one because it's too expensive and i invite anybody who thinks a wrestling ring is cheap go try to buy one if you can find one cheap it's probably going to fall apart on you to begin with so you got to have a ring and then you got to have a venue you know, you have to rent that venue and venues can be very hard to find, especially venues in the Salt Lake Metro area that will actually touch wrestling because of some unfortunate events in the past. Finding a place to do a show can be very, very difficult. So once you've got the ring and once you've got the venue, then you're at the mercy of whatever talent you can get your hands on. You know, you're going to need at least six or seven matches worth of talent. And maybe those aren't all even singles matches. Maybe you've got a tag match or two, or you might have a six-man tag match or something. You've got to figure out how to put all these resources together. And there's not really going to be anybody you can count on to help you bring that together. A lot of times it might just be doing it yourself. Anybody who could actually sit down, pay the attention, the attention, the detail, and actually physically pay for what needs to be bought, what needs to be rented. You know, not everybody has a rich dad, obviously. Not everybody's got somebody just willing to foot the bill for him. A lot of times it's just, it's it's a me, myself, and I operation because you're the one that sees 
the big picture. You're the one whose mind holds all of these ideas, and you're the one that has to put them into play. So anybody oh. who can actually do that is worthy of some level of respect. I mean, I'll tell you straight up because I don't, it, it's my, it's my business, right? So I don't mind talking about the financials, what I can recall from the time, at least. I mean, I was working a shoot job and, you know, my shoot job, I work retail. So, uh, you know, at the time, this was like 2012, 2013. I mean, I'm working a job making 11, $12 an hour, something like that. It was definitely less than 13. Uh, trying to you know buy belts which costs about 400 to 500 a pop and end up having to get four of those the ring was like a thousand and then i had to get everything for the ring because all i pretty much bought was a frame and wood and ropes so i had to get padding canvas all that all that cost money easily three grand into the ring um and that's not even getting into like like I got the ring used, so I got a hell of a deal because it'd be substantially more expensive than that brand new, especially like their high spots rings. And I was charging like 10 grand almost for a 16 footer. That's insane. And you when know, you mentioned not- belts, you know, title belts, you weren't talking about, oh, I'm going to go buy a replica belt from, so, I don't think they call it shop zone anymore, but it's not like. I'm going to buy yeah, this copy of the WWE title belt and I'm going to be a champion. And you know, I mean, belts. it's, it's, it's one thing if people like buy those and they just use them as is, but I get, you know, a lot of people did it for cost efficient reasons. I'm assuming. Cause like we said, it's not cheap. And, but you know, like some people like ACW, like they had the U S belts, but they had paint over them. They had someone take the time to paint them and detail them. So yeah, you could tell what the base of it was, but you know the WCW logos were covered up at the very least. So they were they were trying to mask it. It wasn't you know we have a WWE belt and you can still see the WWE logo on it that you see on TV every week. For me, I just wanted to do something to be different when we ran shows, and I didn't get custom belts. The belts I got were just generic. There's a company called Premier Belts, and they had a generic heavyweight belt, a generic US belt. And they had a set of generic tag belts, and that's just what I bought. And then I found a decal shop in downtown Salt Lake and had him print off some IWR decals, and we just slapped those on a good spot on the belt because they had no company branding. It was just like generic heavyweight belt and generic tag belts, and I just got some decals and found a good spot to slap the IWR logo on there. Of course, part of that was just having some pride in your product, and you wanted to put forth a more professional image so that it was, it didn't just look like a bunch of kids playing yeah, around but, with, but, but also I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push back on you there a little bit. And I'm going to say the internet at this time, you know, when Nick and Steve were first running shows was not what it was because I mean, let's get honest. Steve used the, the, whatever the 2001 WWF heavyweight belt. That was the UCW heavyweight belt for a long time, but with the UCW decal over the WWF logo, right? Right. And and Nick had like an ECW, they had the Intercontinental belt that was like the Midwest belt or something like that. And it was covered up with they chose to go the acrylic paint route. But at the time, there wasn't an access to belt makers and stuff the way there is now. Like now you can hop on Google and you can type in wrestling belt makers and you can get an entire couple pages of people that can make belts or you can find people in groups on Facebook and social media the internet was not at that time what it is today. So 
I mean, at the same time, I think it's easy now to kind of shit on it. Don't know if we can swear, but I think you kind of have to place yourself in that time and see what they were working with because, you know, about the only belt that was on the market that time that high spot sold was that figures toyco belt the old acw belt that i bought from carrie that i still have sitting in my closet like that was the only generic belt that that you could really buy and it just said world champion so i think at that time it was like kind of a necessity to unless you knew like dave milliken or one of those belt makers but then that's gonna cost you like five grand for a belt that they're gonna make you know and five grand might just be a belt design that in and of itself is pretty generic for that belt maker yeah one of the belt makers i think it's a belt maker belts by dan or something like that like he does the belts for aw i found out recently and you can like order from his site copies of those belts or belts that he's done and they are expensive they're they're like seven eight grand or more and that's just for a copy I mean, there's definitely a market for it. I've seen people with huge belt collections and somebody showed me this ad, this this kid or whatever was trying to sell all his replica belts. Just about every famous one from the last 20 years you could think of was laid out on his bed. And I'm sorry, my first reaction was there has never, ever been a woman in that bed. <laughs> hey, I mean, if it makes him happy. It makes him happy, you know? We are approaching our first intermission here. This might be where a lot of wrestling podcasts would play, you know, an ad for chewable butter pills or something to uh, shave your nuts with. But no, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just plug it anyway. Bluechew.com use promo code wrestle. <laughs> that, that Bluechew.com promo code wrestle. It's got to be someone still has to have that promo code. You can get your, First month free, you just pay the $5 for shipping, and then you can give your gimmick the hot tag. I know all the lines. I stand by it. Well, I stand by I stand by most of it. Okay, so it started out, they had two. I don't know how to pronounce the medical name, so one starts with an S. The other one starts with a T. Sildenafil. Sildenafil. Okay, yeah, that one, I think that one was fine. Worked great. That's then, Viagra. Yeah, okay, and it's the one that works for like a couple hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, works great. If, if it um, lasts more than four hours, you must seek immediate medical attention. Well, I'm going to pull up their website now, and I'm, I'm going to see what. I'm gonna why don't see you pull the website are. during? Why don't you pull the website during the intermission? When we come back, we'll talk more about Brad's boner pills. How's that sound? Yay! All right, we'll be back right after this quick break. Back here on Wrestling with the Truth. 
uh, before the intermission, we inadvertently got on the subject of boner pills and their many fine varieties thereof, including the chewables. And Brad, apparently you have a lot to say and a lot to share about your personal experiences with not being able to get it up unless you had a pill. Tell us more. Well, it's not necessarily I have a problem with getting it up. Okay, let's just put that out there right fucking now. Okay, that is not the problem. Problem is, I get a little too carried away, and I kind of snap, and I just like, and I go crazy. And so, Daddy just needs to help be in that 60-minute man like Ric Flair. Woo! You can do that with Blue Chew. <laughs> it's made in the USA. As, you're not, oh. as long as you're not helicoptering it in a plane galley. You know, oh, make oh. it. Dang it, Bobby. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dang it, Bobby. Hey. So when we were at Cauliflower Alley Club in 2007, uh, Nick Hardy pulls me aside and says, hey, uh, Steve Williams is here. I was like, oh, cool. Where? I'll go say hi to him. And and Nick was like so timid and shy and whatnot. He was like, I don't I'm like, dude, I'll just go talk to him. He's a regular guy, you know? So I went and talked to him, and one thing led to another. He tells me he's working out of Colorado and asks where I'm based, where we're based. And I was like, oh, yeah, Utah. He's like, oh, that's not very far at all. He was like, love to come do something for you. So one thing led to another, and he came and did a show for ECW in January of 08 legitimately one of the biggest crowds I've ever seen at any kind of Utah wrestling show. They were there for Steve Williams and just to watch him, watch him work with the guys, watch him converse with them serious about the craft, but also incredibly nice, very giving of his time, very generous. It was just all around a really great guy made me really sad when was it quite two years later when he passed away? It was like, you know, I'm glad I got a chance to meet the guy because he really was a good, decent guy. I'm still pissed. We never got to see the match with him and Janetti that, that they tried to set yeah. up that show because like, I know Janetti was substantially smaller than him, but man, Oh man, this, the story they could have told, you know, watch Dr. Death, you know, I just have this image of Dr. Death tossing Janetti around like a rag doll, but I think Janetti Janetti was good enough that well and Dr. Death was clearly good enough that they're gonna make it make sense and it was gonna be a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that that's was Nick's plans on who to put him with. And man, I'm still salty that we didn't get that. Another great guy that came through here that I had a chance to talk with a bit was uh Road Dog. Road Dog was a great guy, and you know, maybe some people didn't have the best interaction with Billy Gunn. Mine was fine. I mean, I didn't change a finish on him, so he didn't, you know, get pissed off at me or anything. The point is, you know, when somebody with a name comes in, you treat them respectfully, but you don't mark out for them, star fuck them. I've seen that a few different times where people in the back are like, oh, what was it like when you held this belt on SmackDown? And what was it like to have an actual belt? And it's just like, "What what the hell are you doing? You're marking Shut out up. pretty much. And it's just like, okay, calm down. Like that brings me to something I wanted to bring up. Um, so I saw online a kind of press release or press statement that new Japan pro wrestling put out after their recent show in Vegas. 
and it was basically politely but firmly asking their fans not to bother the talent in places like airports or their hotels or really anywhere outside of an organized fan meet and greet situation which a hundred percent i agree with and and absolutely i'm gonna say this it's sad that the promotion even has to do that for them that it's not just common sense for people because you know like it with social media now and how easy it is to uh, upload stuff to the internet you know people waiting at the airports for them to get off. And even when they know like, Oh, they're coming out of this terminal. Cause they flew Delta or they flew United. <laughs> That's just creepy. But then like the people that want them to sign like 20 Funko pops and stuff just so they can go sell it. No, I don't get it. And all these wrestlers get in hate online, like Ray Mysterio. Cause he's like, Oh, I'll just, I'm going to sign one, but I'm not signing 20 of them. Like he's got places to go he's in an airport and maybe the people that are trying to sell this stuff on eBay, maybe they don't have the money and the luxury of flying and going places or, you know, that being their job to do it. But, you know, I've flown, I've flown out of state for wrestling and I've flown out of state on vacations and being in an airport is not necessarily the most pleasant thing. It's just very busy. It's exhausting. You just want to get in, get out, you know, you got to get through security or if your flights just landed and you know, it's, it's hard to sleep on planes for me, at least. I don't know about you for me. I'm not, not all that great at sleeping on planes. So imagine you just get off like a four or six hour flight. And especially if you had a layover that just made your day longer and now you got someone shoving stuff in your face for autographs, but you got a building to be at by a certain time or you want to get back to the room or whatever the case is. It's just, it's ridiculous. Well, I think locally we've had, we've had at least one incident of I'll be nice and say super fan. But, but if you look at his Facebook, it's pretty much all just pictures of him grinning it up with famous people who probably just don't want to be there. And are you talking about the fan? Yeah. The local fan. Yeah, yeah. Ended up saying some really creepy crap about one of the female stars. Yeah, the one that Lacey Evans asked him if he was ready to die or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was just like, oh my god, of course this guy would make national wrestling news and and whatever. Like that, that was ridiculous. You know, there's a time and a place, probably the airport, or especially the people that find out where they're staying. Maybe for someone like Glenn Jacobs or Undertaker, Kane, Undertaker. Maybe for them, it's not that creepy, right? Because they're big dudes. They can handle their own. But imagine being like a little five foot three something woman in the in the wrestling business. And uh, especially if you're traveling alone or with another female worker and having people find out where you're staying like that, that's got to be a little unsettling. There, there's I mean, there's just no accounting for some people's lack of decorum. They think, oh, this person's on TV. That makes it OK. No, it really doesn't. Well, and and I think part of that is just the culture that we live in where everything's so accessible and people, I think with the, I think along with that access to information and knowledge, people have lost that sense of boundary Mm -hmm. because now people feel so entitled to so much, but a lot of people either weren't raised with like, Hey, there's, you know, certain boundaries you shouldn't cross. 
I think that's just kind of the world we live in now too. And, and it sucks that it is the way that it is, but in a lot of cases, I blame bad parenting. Some people just shouldn't be parents and they shouldn't bring kids into the world. I'm sorry. At one point, at one point I thought I was one of them. I, I didn't want kids. And then, you know, bada boom, bada bang. I got two of them. But I'll tell you what, unlike some people, I actually take care of both of my kids. Who else? Let's see. Uh, Chris Masters is someone I don't know. Were you at war when he was coming in, or were you not? Around I was not. I was okay. not. So he was really cool. And me and Adam actually, we met Chris Masters when we were doing our shows out in Reno for this place called Pro Wrestling Destination. Um, that I'd got me and Adam on, and uh, we had met uh, Chris Masters, um, God, the promoter's sister had just picked him up from the airport and was dropping him off at the same place we'd stay at the sands uh hotel motel whatever and holiday uh, in um so she was just checking him in and she'd like told us like oh hey if you guys are here you know come meet chris and so we come over and she's like oh hey these are some guys that do our shows from utah and he was just like oh hey you know what's your name adam reyes brad landon and we're like, uh, he's like, and what do you guys do? And we said, oh, we're a tag team, you know. We are tag. He goes, what's your team name? And we said, Media Mayhem. He's like, oh man, I hope you guys own that. He's like, that's good, <laughs> that's good. And then so, in that same year when he started to come in for War, he was like, hey, I met you guys in Reno, and everyone's like, he knows you guys. And we're like, yeah, we wrestled in, we wrestled in Reno on a show he was on, and he's just a really nice guy, you know. Just and, a really and was, nice guy. Yeah, and it was always cool. And I mean, that ended up coming kind of full circle for me because I ended up getting to work him. And, you know, that he's the one that dropped the war heavyweight title to me. And so that was a that was a cool moment. You know, I feel, I feel like a lot of the people like as long as you're not acting like a fanboy, most of the guys enjoy sharing their knowledge. Absolutely. And and, and yeah, you know, sometimes it's via seminars and whatever, like al snow was a seminar but when al snow was here he still took lots of time outside of the scope of the seminar to share knowledge with people just in the locker room and after the show i remember after the show there was a group of people sitting around and he was just breaking something down and explaining something to everybody and they didn't pay for that but he wanted to share that knowledge and it just elevated everyone that was there that actually listened cool person for me that i got to meet also was in a reno trip got to um, you're going to be jealous of this one. I may have told you stories about it before. Hang out with Greg the Hammer Valentine. That was pretty damn cool. Uh, you know, we're sitting at, he was at the same motel that we stayed at all the time, the sands out there. And, you know, everyone ended up coming over and there's a place called Mel's. It was a diner in there, like with the fifties theme or something like that. And we just got to go down there, hang out, get dinner, like one in the morning with Greg Valentine. He's telling us stories about being stabbed and, stories about iron Sheik and they're messing up his food and he throws the plate across the the diner and it shatters <laughs> against the wall they're like what the hell and he's like, bullshit. yeah and, and he's like no speak english and like you know playing that card and whatever and finally after like the third time it happened they're like okay get the hell out we're calling the cops <laughs> greg and hammer valentine's like i just wanted to eat man <laughs> Can you All just right. tell them that they messed up? We're coming up on the second intermission here, folks. Uh, we will be back 
momentarily. here on wrestling with the truth the debut episode brad before the intermission we were talking about people that we've had a chance to meet because of this crazy wrestling business who and and for the most part the ones that really turned out to be great is there anybody that you've met because of wrestling who either wasn't a good experience for you or perhaps not a good experience for somebody else i'm sure there's got to be someone like just in general or like you want to like name people because I mean, if you I, feel I'm, comfortable doing it well i'm trying to think like i don't i can't think of anyone that's like a name talent that i've ever met that's been an asshole like and it's weird because you hear you hear all these stories and i've heard stories about people even that like i've booked about like oh they're a prick and then they're they're just rude and i'm like that was not my experience at all so for me i always think about like well, maybe it's something that someone else did, and maybe you need to look at that situation at that particular promotion. No, I, I would definitely want it to be something that you witnessed. Somebody just stepped in or put their foot in their mouth when it came to a name talent. Well, I mean, Sonny and someone on the show who shall remain nameless going up, you know, her like, hey, will you sign this adult like softcore porno? And her, her freaking out. Like, I didn't personally witness that, uh, but I saw the kind of commotion and him like, oh, I can't believe she wouldn't sign it. Like, oh, really? really yeah because that was just that that was totally her proudest moment you know well i mean considering it all that, considering that she was doing a dang it bobby for a while i mean kind of came back to it but i mean the booger sugar will do that to you i guess i don't know booger sugar will do a lot of things to you i mean i'm involved in utah wrestling i've seen it firsthand all right all right all right um I, I'm gonna need some some more stories for word. What's some of yours? Somebody who will remain nameless because, well, frankly, they don't deserve having me put them over. This would have been about 2007, probably not long before you started with ACW. Um, it was a tag title match, and I was tagging with my protege in a tag title match against our tag champions. Well, half our tag champions couldn't show up for one reason or another, so they got a replacement partner. So the guy who actually was a tag champion, I'm in the ring with him. And before I know it, I mean, he was light as you wouldn't believe. It was probably the meth habit that he had. If you've ever seen me, you know I've never had a meth habit. (laughs) Sorry, I like food too much. And he just started lead-assing me. I don't know why. I think it just went to his head because he thinks he's so much better than he actually is. I didn't say anything because... Probably would have run afoul with the promoter, you know, because 
the promoter had a knack for having a few guys that were his best of friends and all, but it was just like, well, we could have gone out and done so much more. We could have actually made this fun, but you decided to be a prick and think way too highly of yourself. And well, you just made it suck. So yeah, congratulations. He, you he suck. Did, it just kind of made me think of a story. Cause like, I'm almost positive. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, and you can tell me off the air. Anyway, yeah, you <laughs> let's can tell just, me off let's the air. Let's just the, say the dang it, Bobby. No, 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 no. I remember like we used to spend, you know, be up late talking on the phone all the time, or like we'd hang out at your apartment and just end up on the front porch and the fucking camping chairs bullshitting about old Utah wrestling and just hearing the stories and stuff. And like um, somewhere up in Ogden at a, I don't know if it was Hill Air, I don't think it's Hill Air Force Base because that was Steve that ran that, right? Nick never ran Hill Air Force Nick Base. Nick never ran a Hill Air Force Base, no. Okay, so where did he run where the, the, there was like the general giving the rundown of the property. Where was that? Oh God, that was the uh, National Guard Armory in South yeah, Ogden. So, so I remember the story that like you've told me, Nick's told me about someone who won't be named because we're not going to be that big of dicks, you know. We won't. We could, but we're not. Yeah, we could, but we're not. We're just gonna. We'll tell the funny story. Um, and if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, oh well. So someone like, right, do I have this right? The guy's like basically like giving a rundown rules of the property and stuff. And like, yeah, he was the know, NCO in charge, like do's and don'ts, acceptable behaviors, whatever. Right. Essentially. And then does anyone else have any other questions? Guy in the back. Oh, me. Yeah. Hey, what's your question? Where did babies come from? <laughs> <laughs> of course, what? he knew full well where babies come from. He's had enough of them. Yeah. So uh, tell me, did they did they ever run a show in that venue again? Uh, no, it was a person that I will call Fuckhead, who was brought into ACW by Mr. Leadass and his dang it, Bobby buddy. But yeah, uh, fuck fuckhead decided to do you need to a goddamn part out. Fuckhead decided to do a green beret gimmick at the South Ogden Armory. And yeah, that 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 ruffled some feathers. You don't pretend to be a green beret. That just makes you look like a complete cocksucker. Um so. Okay, so can I make a request that on this podcast, despite whatever we talk about? that we try and find a positive thing to end it on. Absolutely. Like, like we can have our fun, we can jump all over, but let's try and always like leave on a positive note. Sure. Because Utah deserves a wrestling podcast. It's a little bit like, you know, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> so this is like, this is like the part where I like change back into my street shoes and, you know, <laughs> put the other jacket back on. And I sing, it's such a good feeling. No. Anyway. Won't you be my promoter? Hi, promoter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me, but that was great. I'll be real and not so fake. I'll work for your hot dog and your handshake. And a chill fills the room because I decided to sing. <laughs> I'll book you face or I'll book you heel because I know you can't work face. There's or, <laughs> or something. I got something along those lines in my head. Something like that. 
But I think we're coming to a close here. Uh, the very first edition, the inaugural episode of Wrestling with the Truth. I hope we've wrestled with the truth enough in the last, oh, 50 so, or so minutes. Brad, any last words? I want to say, like I said, I want to end the podcast on like a good note. So that way, you know, we're leaving them with something good. And, and, and for me, I don't know about you, but like, I'm really looking forward to talking to you, talking to other people. Like I said earlier, hearing those stories, sharing some stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, just the stuff that happened. Like, I think this is a great, great platform to document so much stuff that, you know, because of this thing, the internet we have can live forever. I almost kind of feel like this is the, like, like this is the new version of like how people used to take photographs at shows, you know, like Bill after and all these people, Mm -hmm. um, or like, I've showed you that stuff before that I inherited from my grandpa that I thought was lost forever that his sister ended up having and you know all those old wrestling photos from Salt Palace wrestling and yeah other other wrestling shows and all the local wrestlers from like that time in like the 60s 70s out of Utah and, and for them the way they documented that stuff was like photos you know they didn't really have this kind of platform to do this digitally i mean maybe they had radio in that time but certainly not the capabilities that there are now to broadcast that stuff and to like share it with such a a big audience of people so i just think it's really cool you know we get to preserve a little bit of history that we've both been a part of and i'm sure a lot of the people that we're going to have included on here at various points down the road they've been a part of and you know they can tell their truth about what happened and we can tell ours and we can just, we can talk about the good times, the bad times, because it's all just the stuff that got us to the point that we're at now. Right. Yep. And my final comment will be a show plug. STF pro wrestling will be at the South Jordan community center Saturday, November 4th featuring a matchup. My wonderful co-host, Brad Landon, taking on the always popular Jagger Lane. Uh, Definitely looking forward to that show, looking forward to that match. And if you're available on Saturday the 4th, by all means, make it out to the South Jordan Community Center and check out a great night of wrestling. Uh, Kevin Sullivan will be there, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about Kevin Sullivan in the future. Who's who's in the main? What's the main event? The promoted main event is that Sullivan or that's uh, that's uh, Sullivan's team against uh, Badman Inc.'s team, the five on five match. And what's the heavyweight title match? Is uh, heavyweight title match is the champion August Artois, sorry, August Artois taking on Madman Fulton. I'm just gonna say from one heel to another i fucking love argus artois okay that guy is one he's funny as hell but two like that guy gets some heat and i love it and as soon as i saw that guy at the the last show i was like okay i like this guy so i'm looking forward to seeing him again and actually i'm gonna be on a show with him up in washington i'm gonna get to see him up in washington so that's gonna be cool all right um and then if you're going to come to the show and if you're on the fence about it, 
you should just jump on it because it's probably going to be the last time you get to see Jagger Lane before I put him in a box and put him away. Oh, with those words, we're going to say goodnight for my broadcast colleague, Brad Landon. I'm Lee Bryant reminding you mediocrity and banality are not good role models for you or your children. Vote with your wallet. Choose your entertainment wisely. So long. See you next week. Collection. Let's lay with the truth as a big, big one production.